The Dance of Gods, Book One, Spell of Catastrophe, by Mayor Alan Brenner. Chapter Eight, Scientific Interlude. Well, that's all of it, Max said, wrenching close the top flap of his knapsack and snapping the fastener into place. Now do I finally get to see these marvelous research results of Roni's before I go out on your errand and get my head chewed off? Carlini rubbed the back of one hand absently across his eyes, making them even redder. Max, he said, I'm exhausted. Let's do it later. I'm leaving later. Oh, yeah, right. Carlini fought back a yawn, then gave in and let it envelop his face. Where's Roni? Probably in the lab. Where else? But it's late. She must have gone to bed hours ago. She did go to bed when it was late, but it's not late anymore. It's early. Max pulled back a curtain. See? Sun. Carlini yawned again. All right, you torture. All right, this way. Max left his gear on the floor and followed him through the door, down the hall, and up a flight of circular stairs. Carlini removed a key on a large ring from a hook on the wall and unlocked a door at the top landing. Roni, he said. Dear? The room was empty. Must still be asleep, Max said. Why don't I just poke around myself and let you go to bed? I'm sure I can figure things out. I'm sure you can, Carlini grunted. Most of it was your idea in the first place. Lock up when you're finished. He retreated back through the door and clumped off down the stairs. The room occupied almost the whole top of one of the lower towers, the walls admitting a blaze of early sunlight through windows placed all the way around. Roni and Carlini had set up a substantial array of equipment. Beakers, bottles, dishes, and flasks were stacked neatly against the walls, enclosed in a variety of field preservation spells. Two stacks of books sat next to the door. On top of the books were a set of three matching ledgers bound in hide and spotted with multicolored stains and spills. A fourth ledger book was on the table in the center of the room, open to a page in the middle. To the left of the ledger was a low wooden box with a latched cover and thin tendrils of steam issuing from its joints. In front of the box was the microscope. Max seated himself on the stool next to the table and ran his hand fondly over the ancient instrument. He carefully rotated the compound lens mount, ran the viewing lens up and down, adjusted the reflecting light source mirror, then rested his elbows on the table and rested his chin on his hands. Roni was keeping things up nicely. The microscope has been the finest thing he'd ever owned, and he'd come close to dying over it more than once, but a scope was made to be used, and Max was on the road too often to give it the attention it deserved. It had made quite a wedding present. And now, if Roni was correct, it had helped her make a remarkable discovery. Max, as was his nature, spent much of his time thinking. One of the things he liked to think about was magic and the way it worked. After hearing from Roni about her research into animalcules and her resulting theory of cells as the building blocks for larger living creatures a year or two earlier, something had connected. He had been looking through the microscope at a bulging whitish ball of sliding tendrils and protruding blobs easing through the thin film of water. Where does magic come from? Max had said suddenly. I don't know, Ronnie said. Where does it come from? There, Max said, staring at the amoeba. Somewhere in there. 
The amoeba sidled over to a smaller spinning oval, surrounded it, and sucked it in. That thing eats food and turns it into energy. We eat food and turn it into energy, except we can also turn it into magic. Max looked up at Roni. Somewhere in one of your cell things, something turns that food into magical energy. You want a new research topic? Find that interface. Figure out that step. Max lifted his head off of his hands and drew the ledger book toward him. The book held Roni's latest lab records. Before flipping back through the book, Max's attention was drawn to the most recent entry by the heading MAX, printed in large letters above it. It was a short paragraph containing setup instructions and the activation words for the filter spell. Max read it again to make sure he had things straight, then unlatched the cover of the wooden box, eased it open, and removed a round glass dish with a flat top. With a fine-blown pipette, he found in a vase of water, Max sucked up a small quantity of liquid from the dish, transferred it to the center of a slide, added a touch of dye from a vial capped with a dropper, and positioned the slide on the microscope's lower stage. A thick, stubby candle, half burned out, sat next to the microscope in a holder with a curved, highly polished back. Max lit the candle. The light from the candle, focused and intensified by the reflective holder, shone onto the mirror of the scope and up through the slide. Max applied his eye to the viewing lens. A few adjustments of the knurled knob on the body brought the image into focus, a few motes of dark debris floating through a clear orange landscape, flickering with the spits and puffs of the candle. Max switched to the highest power lens. Off at one corner, he saw a flutter of motion and steered the field toward it. An oval shape with a fuzzy border spun into view. Its interior held the pigmented forms of mysterious structures, a major round one, lines and squiggles and balls and tubes implying others, all swimming in and out of sight at the limit of visibility under the uncertain candlelight. Now for the interesting part, Max thought. He glanced over at the book with his spare eye, found the sentence he wanted, and spoke its three activation words. A sizzling sound began. At the base of the scope, a silvery nimbus formed, circulating around the stage holding the slide and the lower part of the compound lens mount. Max returned his gaze to the lens and adjusted the slide to return the animalcule fully to view. Sparks and crackles of miniature lighting jumped around the field, each flash of energy illuminating the scene more sharply, then letting it fade again into orange shadow. Inside the cytoplasm of the animalcule, though, something else was going on. At one side of the larger round spot, in an area of overlapping squiggles so tiny that Max could barely pick it out, there was a sudden sparkle of green. Max focused in on it. Yes, it was there. It was definitely there. A twinkling of infinitesimal pinpoints, each the barest flash of green. Max straightened up and scanned back through the ledger book. Roni had also seen this phenomenon, a microscopic constellation, she had called it. After fine-tuning the filter spell to weed out any significant artifacts, she had concluded that the effect was real. Those green pinpoints were each marking a release of magical energy. Max pursed his lips, took another look through the scope, sat up again. Uncapping the inkwell on the table, he dipped a pen and wrote below Roni's last line in the ledger, Amazing work, you've found it. And now for the real fun, first to understand exactly how this conversion works, then how to harness it, then how to control it. 
He sat back and stared off through the windows into the landscape in the light of the dawning sun. Plans, Max thought. More plans. Always plans. But this one was different. If we control the roots of power, we can finally take on the gods. So what do you think? Max jumped on the stool, startled out of his reverie. Roni was leaning in the doorway, wrapped in a robe, her hair tucked into the robe's hood. I didn't hear you come in, he said. You were concentrating. I didn't want to disturb you. Anyway, I've always liked watching you when you're thinking about something. You get that dreamy, mind-in-another-world expression. Ha, Max said. Don't give me that. Since when is your mind going woolly? He turned his head away and looked out the window at the colors of the rising sun. What did I think, you asked? You've done landmark work, that's what I think. It was worth it getting dragged here just to see this. Thank you, Max. She was looking out the window, too, her arms crossed tightly over her chest. Max, I wanted to tell you I'm sorry about the situation, what we're asking you to do for us. He shrugged. It's not your fault. That still doesn't mean I'm looking forward to it, because I'm not. This thing could be pretty unpleasant, you know, Max said. I told you I'm sorry, Max. I really am. Max leaned back in the chair and stared up at the ceiling. Sometimes I think friends are more trouble than they're worth. All I seem to do in some years is bail you all out of problems. Friends don't want to die. Well, I don't want to die either, but somehow it's always my life getting risked out in front. You do it because you like to do it. That's true, up to a point. Beyond that point, I do it because I never seem to have any choice. You've chosen not to have a choice, Roni said. You're the one who wanted to take on the gods. You didn't have to do that. Plenty of people have been living with the gods for a long time without any issues at all. Whether these people admit it or not, the problem was there all along. I only inherited it. But why are you getting so worked up about it now, after all this time? Because I'm tired of your complaining. Your biggest problem is now the gods are in obsession with you. You wanted to demonstrate you have free will? Well, okay, you've done it. You've got free will. Why not use it for yourself for a change? Why not find someone and fall in love? It would do you good. You're getting too sour. Max raised one eyebrow and looked sideways up at Roni. Was that why she was worked up? Give me a break, Max thought. I've been in love, he said. Roni turned a subtle red color. You know it would never have worked out. You know it might have, Max said. But it's all right. You chose Carlini, probably a better pick in any case. He's a lot easier to get along with than I am, and that was that. You're my good friend, and I like you, but I don't love you. Max, I, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, that's not the only time I've been in love, and things didn't work out then either. You should still find someone new. I'm not in the mood, Max snapped. Max, that's... You think I should show free will? You think I should settle down? I can't settle down. I wouldn't mind it for a change, but I can't. The last time I tried, a fireball dropped out of the sky and blew up the house. If I hadn't been standing next to a window, I wouldn't have gotten out. The problem was I wasn't the only one inside. And you say I should fall in love? You say I should show free will? Forget it. That's the dream. I stay on the road because I don't have a choice. I won't have a choice until I can turn and fight back and make it count. Max stabbed a finger toward the microscope. And with the work you've got here, I'm finally going to be able to do it. If you survive Rusingovaya. Well, yeah, of course, said Max. There is that. 
Coming next, Chapter 9, What I Didn't Know.